If you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or get involved in the conversation on social media. Join the Pearl Jam Podcast community group on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Live on Four Legs Pod. So, uh, that last song is called Unemployable, which I'm afraid the state of Ohio knows plenty about. And I'm, uh... Oh, it's a beautiful place, but we'll always make room for you in Seattle if you ever want to come out. Then, then you'll be jobless and wet and depressed and <laughs> but you'll be out drinking with us so it'll be alright and away we go you're listening to Live on Four Legs the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring Mr. Stone Gossett Fucking Cameron in the truck. now welcome to live on four legs a definitive live pearl jam podcast we're back another week another pearl jam show gee what are the odds that we do another pearl jam show on this podcast that covers pearl jam shows why we do such things well to preserve the history to bring back the memories and it's an excuse for us to listen to one pearl jam show a week come on get that through your head and for you guys, too, because a lot of you guys out there that I know intake the show will go and listen to the bootleg ahead of time, then go and listen to the podcast, which is my and John's recommended way of doing this show. And then you get a little bit of what the bootleg is in between the podcast as well. So works out for everybody. Enough spiel, though. I think we can just get into this one. This is Cleveland 2006. It's a Patreon request. Let's dig in. Randy Sobel over here. John Farrar over there. Hello, hello. Hey, what you got for me this week? What you got for the world this week? I'm a little bummed out. I'm not going to lie. All right. Let's chat here. Let's let's play yeah. therapy with, with John here. Yeah, I, I'm not yeah. a good therapist, but I can try. I and, play and, one on TV. And like listening to, listening to the show was not the thing that bummed me out, to be clear. We were so excited back in December when they came out and they said, rescheduled shows are going to be announced first of the year, early January. I forget. Which would the, yeah. the exact word? Early January, yeah. Yes, that's... yes. Here we are. We're recording this on January twenty eighth. This isn't going to come out till February second. Yep. And we don't we don't have shows. We we don't know. So I'm thinking that these May shows are not going to happen. 
I think it's going to be late summer. It's going to be August. It's going to be September again. So we're going to keep having to wait because this pandemic shows no signs of slowing down. So here's my my thing. Yeah, no, here's my thing. And I totally understand being bummed out about that. And for the last two years or so, I've had this. And even before that, even in like 2019, where we really weren't getting any announcements at all until the end of the year and didn't know a new album was coming out. We It, it was nothing from that. My whole thing has just been, if you haven't heard anything, then just consider what's in front of you until you do hear something because if we had i think it's almost worse where if we had dates in mind like we did a couple years ago if we had those dates already planned and now we're dealing with another wave of omicron or whatever the next wave of of coronavirus is going to be then we have reason to worry and that's where i stand because i'm coming from a position and when this comes out the next day and you might be listening to this on the day or after I, I i'll be seeing ed i'll be seeing ed solo show at beacon yeah, theater that's i cannot believe that those shows are still happening i, I honestly i can't either i kind of bought it almost as like i, I don't know like an investment like okay yeah. i save it for a rainy day kind of thing and and now they went on sale in like november really quick and it's two months later, and I'm like, okay, let's find a babysitter for my dog, and, and I gotta drive out to the city. Beyond that, I'm not super excited. I'm just not. I'm not excited to be around. Yeah. And, and this, yeah. is, this is different than See Here Now, because I think what See Here Now had, I had tons of friends that were gonna be there, and it was Pearl Jam, so Pearl Jam is a little bit different than Ed, and... Also, like, I didn't mind spending the money. This one, you know, we've talked about the financial factor in this and how, yeah, it it was an expensive show. I I, I just kind of put that aside and said, okay, I've never seen Ed live. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it with Chad Smith and Glenn Hansard and Josh Klinghoffer and, and not Mike Watt, Andrew Watt, who we can get to in a second. But... Yeah, the whole time, like, I, I, I know, like, one or two other people that are going, and I didn't make any concrete plans to go and see anybody. I, I just, it doesn't feel like an event. It just feels like, okay, I'm driving into the city for a show that I'm going to by myself, and then going home, and that's it. And it's a one-night thing, couple hours, that's it. Usually for shows, I plan more accordingly. I plan the whole entire day essentially but not for the and granted my life is a lot different now but not not for this at all it just doesn't feel normal and maybe i'll feel different when the music hits but i don't know man it's just weird everything it's all weird it's weird because like some things are back and some things are not back and you're seeing like some bands are still like going in and postponing things and things that have been postponed and postponed again and now they're getting postponed for like a third time and for him to to go in with these shows there must be something going on there with some divide between him and the band because they would have announced those shows i guess like i think you had mentioned early on like you know mike has this condition you know the the crohn's Crohn's disease disease, yep and maybe it is something where he's like, yeah, guys, I'm not playing until it's 100% safe. 
and we got lucky in September and October that there was kind of a lull and people could kind of get out and the vaccines were working and that was what it was. But I don't know, man, this, it seems like it's still going to be a while. I would say at this point, those European shows are in jeopardy if, if things don't change. Yeah, I I haven't heard. I've heard more positivity on the side of the European tour that they think it's going to happen. And a lot of those venues being outdoors, I guess, helps because a lot of them are are festival shows. But it's still, yeah, it's still kind of until you're there, you can't really see it. You can't really see it in front of you. It's very tough. But what I will say is I think that all those shows being planned for arenas and not being planned for ballparks or amphitheaters or things like that, I think that does hurt the case of scheduling them sooner. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see, you know, we would, though we can talk about the Baltimore thing. It'll be interesting to see what they do with that. Yeah, I think explain that a little bit. Yeah, so okay, uh, I f- I actually found this out uh, from Dukes a couple of weeks ago. He sent me a message and he said, "Does anybody in the Pearl Jam community realize that the Royal Crown, I think it's Royal Crowns, uh, uh, arena in Baltimore is going through a complete renovation through the whole entire year 2022?" Like, actually, no, I didn't know that. Thank you for bringing this to my attention. And I brought it to another person's attention who told me that, yeah, the the likeliness is that show is going to be canceled because because of that. It has to be. There's no other way around it. And I think that some of the ideas that have been thrown out there would be the Merriweather Post Pavilion, which they played in back in, I think, 96, 98, and 2000, yep. all those years they played there, which I know are very good shows. And the other idea that I'm guessing, just knowing the surrounding area, I'm guessing that the Verizon Center in D.C. would be opened up for that. Maybe they think of a place like Hampton in Virginia. I, you know, it's it's a little mm-hmm. bit smaller, kind of like how Baltimore was. And I don't know they, if they, they still owe Raleigh, North Carolina a show. That's very true. That's very true. And look, I'm not putting it past when they do come up with scheduled date, I'm not putting it past them to add in and sprinkle in a couple extra dates here and there just to get everybody because not everybody was able to get tickets for this tour. You know, me me being one of them, I think that they know this is important to a lot of people and they want people to get more opportunities to go. So I think we will see that and maybe that could be why there's a holdup. I, I honestly, I don't know. And the easiest yeah. way to go with this is to just say we have a two-year pandemic on our hands, and it has left us with question mark after question mark. And we're in a lot of unlikely scenarios right now. Yeah. And yeah. again, this coming on a week from recording this, but literally a day after you hear this, that Ed is going to be doing solo shows in small venues, mind you, that it's just gonna have to happen so we'll see and we'll be up to date on that whenever it does yeah you know you you kind of mentioned the the andrew watt thing we know that like they may be going in to record a new album at some point that's what it sounds like and it sounds like that andrew watt is going to be the guy for this uh from you know eddie interviews that have happened in the past week or so and look i don't you, you see like grammy award winning producer and that doesn't really mean anything to me and i look next to who he's recorded for like Miley Cyrus, Ozzy Osbourne. Okay, that like that puts you in pretty high clout. But what I've heard from the couple of Eddie songs like I don't know yet. I don't know yet. There's error on the side of caution here. 
and maybe it's because the actual songs themselves outside of brother of the cloud which i thought was okay i haven't been like super pumped and excited for and that might be dwindling my interest in having him produce pearl jam but it could be a different scenario when he gets his hands on all five of them yeah i mean we've talked about how at least you know i thought gigaton was very much overproduced by Josh Evans, so we will we'll see what this other like very pop, very mainstream producer does with them. Because you know, I think a lot of people would like the Brendan O'Brien approach, where put him in the, put him in the studio, Let try to fly. capture it live, mm-hmm. and and do it. Yeah, but yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, and honestly, like I will welcome new stuff whenever they're prepared sure. and whenever they're sure. mentally ready to put pen to paper with this. And you know, yeah, they just announced new painted shield. So and you know, the song is fantastic, by the way. I don't, I don't yeah. know if you listened yeah. to the song yet, but it reminded me some of the li- like the licks, the early licks in there reminded me some of like Gosman demo kind of hmm. stone stuff. Just real cool. kind of raw, very early nineties. Maybe, maybe he's going back in the archive and pulling out some stuff. Possibly, yeah. I, I mean, I wouldn't put it past him, but yeah, he's yeah. he's got a lot of stuff in the can, and, and Painted Shield's very, very good. If you're not into Painted Shield, go and, and check them out. So why don't we get into a little bit about this show, again, Cleveland 2006, and you know, 2006 is, is a good tour year, and it's a big, long tour year, and it's one that we cover two or three times a year on the show, so it's not like we never do it, but... Also, some of the shows that happen in this year, like Cleveland 2006, they're like middle pack shows, which are very, very good. But like the Honolulu one, that's impactful. There's a couple in there that kind of stand out from the bunch. And one of them that really does was actually happen the day before this Cleveland show, which is Grand Rapids, which we will get into in a second. But I don't want to bury the story that Randy Cross, who is our patron, that was nice enough to request this episode, and I put it into the rotation. And so she sent us a story, so we're going to read it, and we're going to try and figure out something within this episode to see if we can kind of go on the live on Four Legs Mystery Bus here. So... She said she doesn't really have a great story, can't remember a whole lot because she was going through a divorce at the time, brain was foggy in 2006, but the one significant thing I do believe happened at this show is that Eddie fell through the stage. I had tickets, not through 10 Club, on the left side of the stage, about 10 rows up. I remember seeing Eddie fall, literally down a hole. He was fine and popped up, but it was still a tense moment. I was like, did he fall through the stage? And people around us were asking the same exact thing. As I mentioned, I was going through a divorce and I was on the rebound seeing a much younger guy, eight years younger to be exact, and he had never been to a Pearl Jam show. He was your typical 20-something at the time, and when I asked him if he liked Pearl Jam, of course he said, well, I like Evenflow. Well, I guess this isn't the show for him because Evenflow isn't played at the show. And as I did, every PJ fanatic like us does, I rolled my eyes and said, you poor soul. But needless to say, after this rockin' show, he became a fan as the main set melted his face off. The poster for the show is hideous, and I would love to display my hometown shows, but this red and black skeleton gorilla-looking thing is not my aesthetic, so it's resting in my flat file. Thank you, Randy. Uh, and Thanks, Randy. Now we have something to think about with that, that story there, because... Honestly, yeah. there's no yeah. there's video for 
like the first five songs. There's like 20 minutes of video on YouTube and nothing else. So, of course, you would think when would be the time that Ed would fall through the stage during the antics session around a live and porch and and one of those that that he would accidentally do something like that. And I was trying to listen for it. I couldn't get where it was. So I'm counting on you guys listening in right now. If you got, cause there were a lot of shows in 2006. If this was the right show, if you can figure out when the moment was, or was this another show entirely? Cause like she said, her, her brain was a little foggy at the, at the time. This is like a 10 minute porch. So, but also like, like four of those minutes are him introducing the band. True. But if something like would have happened, if there was like an incident that would explain why it might have been a little longer. That's all I can think of. There was one part in Alive, when we get to Alive, there was one part where you hear the crowd and you don't hear Ed, but then you hear Ed kind of suddenly pick it up right away. Like, I don't know if that was that, but it was very tough to tell. Detective crew, get on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we need, you know, in enlisting your help, take a bite out of crime. <laughs> The Live on Four Legs Detective Crew is at it again. If you know an answer to this, then hit us up at Live on Four Legs Podcast at gmail.com or shoot us a message on any of the social media accounts. We're pretty accessible. Let's get into the show. And the way that we start here, not the way that the show technically begins, but we're going to go to the pre show because at the time we were doing pre show songs. And we're going to get an acoustic last kiss from Ed before my morning jacket comes on. What'd you think about this? It's interesting. It's an interesting choice for a preset because, you know, the reason you do that is, you know, you want to get people in their seat to see the opening band. You want to give people a reason to, to come early and, like, not just mill around outside. He's trying to pump up my morning jacket here. He's trying to get people in seats for them. So even the night before, he'd come out and done Dead Man and Can't Explain. Mm-hmm. He'd done, like, normally you get, like, a rare one here. Throw your arms around me is very popular. Yeah, yeah. To come out and do Last Kiss, it's fun. I mean, a lot of people love that song. It's still their biggest hit. But it felt like a weird choice to get people, like, in the seats. Like, the next show in Detroit, they would do Gone preset like that's kind of cool like you're getting like an acoustic con but yeah just just a weird choice i mean nothing nothing wrong with the performance crowd seems to be into it but to me it's like if you're gonna do that if you're gonna try to entice people to get in their seats early give me something rare give me something like i haven't heard before yeah i don't necessarily disagree with any of that uh the only you know just kind of devil's advocate thing that i'm thinking of here is that Ed was probably thinking about it during the day and honestly like I haven't done the full research on times that Ed has played Last Kiss in presets I don't know the answer to that we know some answers here and that's not one of them so I didn't go back and look but maybe backstage he was just kind of thinking about it and this is not a song he usually plays guitar on he usually is free of instrument on this so it could have just been something on his mind and he said okay let's give it a shot and it doesn't really matter essentially if it's a rare song i think the idea that he is coming out for a lot of people is exciting and yeah there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be a little bummed that it was last kiss and not dead man or throw your arms around me or, or something by the who i still think that 
it's a nice gesture to do that. And knowing that we don't get this now, and we haven't gotten it consistently in, in at least a decade, maybe more than a decade, knowing that, I, I honestly, I, I'm okay with it. They, they play, play it away. That's it's fine. It's it's cool. And he, and he does. We should mention too. He does stick around for my morning jacket's first song. He does kind of do some vocals on that, and hang, he hangs around and does a little extra thing too. Yep. Uh, the song's called "It Makes No Difference," which I don't really know too much of my morning jacket. I am like aside from I guess what's played on the Sirius channel sometimes, but they are on our album a day challenge at some point in the month of february and if you're not paying attention to that go to the social media websites and go check that out because we are listening to an album a day an album that you may not have ever heard before so that should should be a lot of fun and and i guess we're on like the very early onset of that as we speak right now but let's get into the start of the show and i mentioned grand rapids and grand rapids kind of comes into play with a little hypothesis here as to why the first song was played where it was. The opening track of this night is Better Man. veteran of Pearl Jam to understand that Better Man is not a typical opener of theirs. It's technically opened up a show ten times. If you look at the shows that are within those ten, one of them's Bridge School Show, the other is Storytellers. So technically it's more like eight. It hasn't happened a whole lot. So to get this is a complete shock if you're in that crowd. And the only thing that I'm thinking, because if you, if you don't know the Grand Rapids story, they, they changed the 10 club seating. The, the people that were usually in front for all the Chicago shows and, and the people that had been following them before the Chicago shows, those people got kind of sent to the back. The people in the back kind of got pushed to the front. So Pearl Jam were able to see new faces because apparently in Chicago, the avocado songs weren't impressing the fans up front. And 
I think people were turning around and, and they just mm-hmm. were booing and, and things like that. It was seniority based, so mm-hmm. those are the people that had been around since 91, 92, 93 that were the front row of every single show. And that's the reason that, you know, we have the lottery now, so it gets mixed up and those people aren't just commandeering those seats at every show. Right, and I'm sure it went back to normal at this one, Grand Rapids kind of being an anomaly with that. But the only thing that I can think about that would be the reason why they open up with Better Man is to show that the people in front who are back in their normal position, because you got to think, like doing Chicago, then Grand Rapids, then Cleveland, then Detroit. Like, that's a nice little, you can make that round. I would think that a lot of the same people were going there. I think this was their attempt to throw those people off a little bit and say, here's something that you probably have never seen before. Get them surprised, get them energized and into it. And then once the new songs come up in about two songs later, maybe they're a little re-energized by it. Maybe that the idea of the set list not starting off with typical Pearl Jam is fresh to them. Maybe, and this is cool too because the first voice you hear is the crowd. You know, right. Ed just starts playing guitar and the crowd just takes it right from the very beginning. He doesn't even start. That's pretty chill. And yeah, I don't think I, I ever remember hearing the crowd be the first thing you hear at Pearl Jam show without Ed saying or singing anything. Right. So yeah, that was cool. Within the couple of times that they've opened with this, and, and there's a show that happened on my birthday that is Winnipeg in 2005, and that's a show I really like because that one also opened up with Better Man. But I even think for that, Ed at least started singing and then kind of allowed the fans to come into it because I think it was still a little bit of a shock to everybody. But in this, you have a crowd that's all up for this, and they're ready right at the start. And... I don't know about you, but like just even the idea of Better Man being here, it already feels like you're in the mid-set groove at the start of the show. A little bit. Yeah. Part of that is we're, you know, we're listening to these shows every week and you're hearing it on the Encore. Right. Too. It's, it's consistent it's to close right. a set and like, yeah, to get it first, it's it did feel a little strange, but it did feel like it kind of. Like you said, it could have been to energize. It felt like it did the job. It felt like the band is is into it. You you do get to see the video on this, and Ed's holding out the one note for a really long time. And yeah, it sounded pretty good. Like it's energetic, and like it's not a big eight minute call and response. You know, save it for later. Yeah, right. But I thought it was one of the highlights. I thought it really did the job. And this too, this has Stone written all over it. You know, we always talk about when you get these play the hit sets, you know, everybody to think about that Stone quote from PJ20 where he's like, oh, you know, I just want to play. We could just kill this crowd. Let's just play this, 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 this. Like, let's just do it. Let's just do it. This has all the makings of a Stone set list. This set definitely has a couple of different identities that's going to be very interesting to get to. But they go right from Better Man into Giving a Fly, which was, I think, the second song from the night prior to, which is, it's out of place. Again, it's not usually number two. It's usually number four or number five. So again, like you're going from big hit song to another big hit song crowd favorite and then you're going to hit up all of the avocado stuff that they played early early on in these sets in, in 2006 pretty consistently so from very very early on matt and his backup vocals are 
almost happen in every single song. Even with 10 songs and, and yield songs, it feels like his presence it's pretty in the forefront at this show doing the back and vocals. Definitely. And this was definitely his era for that. You know, every time you see him, he's got that microphone like coming right down in his face. Mm-hmm. And it sounds great. He's very talented, as we've talked about many times. Doing the background vocals is just another aspect of that. He has a great voice for it. Not many drummers have the voice for that, you know, Phil Collins aside. <laughs> right, I was going to um, Don Henley yeah. for some people. Right, right. But yeah, it sounds good harmonizing the dead and one of the first times we talked about it was like man like the other guys are jerks making him do that like he's already got enough to do playing drums like it's much easier to play a stringed instrument and go up to a microphone and sing than it is to be playing drums and singing your arms are going every which way there i think that's one of the reasons matt's so casual with it though he just does it so naturally his back is perfect the whole time right yeah, he can. He's so but yeah, he's one, he's one of the only ones that can pull that off. There's no way Jack or, or Dave or Cruising could have pulled that off. Let's move into these avocado songs here. They're all bunched together. It's World Wide Suicide, Life Wasted, Severed Hand. This is pretty much what you're expecting on this tour. And I'm going to give you a little bit of by the numbers here. This combo in this order was played six times in 2006 with two of the last three nights prior having the same order. And these three in a row were played 12 times in 2006, which seems kind of light, but I think this would be the last show where they would play this mixture all at once, whether it be Life Wasted first or Severed Hand first. This would be the last one of the very, very early shows that they would play this mix up front, and then they would mix stuff like Comatose in the middle, and then the older stuff like Hail Hail and Save You, and I think that's, that, that was a lot of what the frustration of those old school 10 club people were, was that you were getting strictly three in a row, and they were doing it consistently like that. So, you go through most of the 2006, and, and really, anytime they're on tour for an album, you're gonna just get some of the new stuff early. We've seen it with Lightning Bolt. Lightning Bolt and Mind Your Manners are early on in every single set. With Backspacer, the Fixer got some pretty early on in every set. And this was just like that too, but I think we see this differently because songs like Worldwide Suicide and Life Wasted didn't quite make it to the rotation like a Save You or a Hell Hell did. Songs that were always played in the beginning when their albums came out and, and just stayed there. Severed Hand did a little bit during the Backspacer era, but the other two songs, not as much. Yeah, I wonder if it's, you know, and we've talked about too when they are touring on a new record and you saw it with those See Here Now and Ohana shows with the Gigaton songs, like they really don't know how they're going to translate and they don't know where this stuff is going to end up, so they're just trying stuff. And for this combo, I think the original thought was these songs are all kind of fast. You know, it's not the quote-unquote punk rock section that we sometimes talk about with your head hills and last exits and things like that. But it's as close as you get on that record, comatose notwithstanding. So I wonder if it's just a matter of they were trying it to go. And then, like I said, this was one of the last times they would do it. So maybe they, you know, the, the Grand Rapids thing included felt like it just wasn't working anymore. So mix it up, break it up, and you know we know now that you know Worldwide Suicide is is, is been gone for a long time, if not gone for good, and the other two have not been played nearly as much as they 
where I think Life wasted almost a third of its plays were in this year. Right. So just interesting how that plays out where they tried it and so many times we say, oh, you know, this tried it and then it ended up staying here and it worked really well, but these three just people just weren't into it. Just something about this record just being different and it's very different from everything that came before it. So it didn't work out like they thought it would, I think. Yeah, and, and I think it's hard to say that not everybody was into it because I know that there are people that do like this record and sure. they were into this. And I think the side A stuff at the time was the stuff that stuck. And then later on, you realized, oh, hey, Inside Job is really good. Gun is really good. Army Reserve is sneaky good. Like, I think back, yeah. after a while, you kind of are gravitating towards side B. But at the beginning, because the record starts out very anthemic and Life Wasted is such a big arena song and Severed Hand and like those all kind of fit that mold. It's it's easy to throw them in because it just reflects what the album was. Performance wise, I think these are pretty right up there with their tight performances. They're, they're good performances, whether or not you like the song, like they're all played really well. And again, I think that Matt's backup vocals are very, very good, especially the worldwide suicide ones are very, very good, I thought. You're on, I mean, Cameron's background vocals is what really sticks out as, as prominent here. Yeah, other than that, it felt very chalk and very similar to, to the album versions, which is, which is fine. I mean, your album had just come out, and this is that tour, so that's what you get. Right. Two songs that we actually talked about last week that we don't get to talk about too often are in a little section here, Faithful into Unemployable. And once again, I think very highlighted by the Cameron backup vocals. I think that last week's versions were a little bit stronger than these. I mentioned something about Unemployable being very strong from last week, but this week is just... It's, it's not bad, but I think last week was a special kind of version where you got something a little bit of extra effort out of this. I thought that Faithful had a little bit of uh, nice crowd participation towards the end with the clapping as they were fish- finishing on. But you're getting seven songs out of the gate without stopping. That's pretty good. Yes, Faithful is very good. It's, it's a good way to break up the run of avocado songs there. And an unemployable too, Ed's doing that thing where he just not enunciating at all. He's just basically going vocal sound to vocal sound. Mm. I don't know if that's a thing that like Bruce does. I'm not like a Bruce Springsteen scholar. Kind, kind of. Stuff, but it felt like he was into it and when he's kind of feeling it and when he's he's kind of doing that thing where he'll back up from the microphone a little bit and kind of like half shout and like not really enunciate it. It felt like they were having a good time. They they thought the show was going well, but I think after Unemployable is where this, this show kicks up a notch. From here on out to the end of the main set, it's very, very good. Definitely agree with that. Yeah, this is this is where you're starting to get into the real talking points here. Speaking of talking points, let's let's hear from Ed a little bit. He said the last song was called Unemployable, which I'm afraid the state of Ohio knows plenty about. It's a beautiful place, but we'll make room for you in Seattle if you ever want to make it out. You'll be both jobless, wet, and depressed, but you'll be out drinking with us, so it'll be all right. This is interesting. This is an interesting line here. There's a line in Dissident about how escape is never the safest path. This song kind of explores that idea. This is segueing you into Gone, exploring the idea of taking the escape route in Gone. I thought that that was a really cool connection that he made there. I've never thought of the two 
ever being within but you you think about story wise and dissident is sort of where that action is and gone is the result of that action i Hmm. I thought it was very well tied together interesting interesting we're gonna have to come up with a new trilogy we're gonna have to find them right it goes with that and make it happen but probably like future days or something like that (laughs) make it a happy ending the anti-footsteps but uh (laughs) It felt a little weird to mention one of your songs and then not play it because he, right. he says dissident and the crowd kind of goes, oh, okay, cool. They were excited. But then right. they don't play it. So it's a little strange. Like, dude, if you're if you're going to mention a song like that, you got to play it. Yeah. So, yeah, a little, little weird. I bet the crowd's kind of like, huh? Okay. Especially, especially it's not like you're naming, like, it's not like you're naming I Am Mine. It's not like you're naming sure. a song off the last record. You're naming yeah, a you're verse back song. to verses. Like, yeah, people are going to be, that's one of the ones people go to see. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but going back to Gone, it's, it's very, very good. Every time we get this live, it's like, how has this not been played more often? One of the criminal things has it been. It's so fantastic. The build and the way, it's, it's one of those really, really good Ed songs. And I just wonder, like, I... I don't know if they just forgotten about it or what, but for some reason it just just never stuck. Yeah, and I think I think it has an opportunity to come back at some point, and I think it should because I think it's one of those things that never really gets old. That that concept of getting out of a place. If it ever got old, we'd lose River Mirror, and and we don't. But performance-wise, I love this version. You're kind of getting sort of a different disposition where you're you're building to those big moments, and you're almost like the album version, kind of staying within that mid-tempo range and then really elevating it once the chorus is in. dissident i was locked in to the lyrics more than i usually am which the lyrics yeah. in the song are, are fantastic as, as they are but it was just a nice tie-in that i didn't really expect a story that was told really well he even throws in a, a little reference to ohio there he's he does like, yeah get out of ohio out of which ohio. is like you know when he does that he's feeling good like he's mm-hmm. letting himself like riff a little bit and go off go off the script especially with with a new song so yeah i thought that was cool this is that, great that'll come back later for another location by the way <laughs> you'll figure <laughs> that one out yeah the next one's teed up by saying you may know this one in the middle we're gonna have to work together i'm warning you and they go into daughter which is basically replacing your mid-set even flow which again might be throwing a bone to those people out in front this probably starts the era of no even flow 
and it being a bathroom break to a lot of people, which I think is is very taboo on this podcast. I don't like talking about things like that because it, it just ruins such a great song and, and what are great performances of it. And if you're out there missing it, then that's shame on you because they're that's one they're putting it all on the line for. So... Yeah, I think that at the time, maybe the idea of not playing that, it elevated in people's minds that they're like, okay, this is something different. Again, we can be up for something new at this show if we're going to keep following and and go to Detroit the next night. I think you're right on with the reason they didn't play it. But I think, too, when it came back, then you saw things like the Cameron drum solo and you saw them work a little harder to try yeah. to to make it a little more of a standout and give it something a little new, inject a little energy into it. So yeah, that's probably part of that as well. So it's daughter and they're going to do It's Okay in the tag, but the It's Okay tag sounds a little bit different. And and honestly, I, I think I'm, I'm burying something here, which I shouldn't. The, the transition between the song and the tag with the crowd reciting the shades go down part, kind of like what we were doing last week. Just th- these call and response moments that you don't usually get from daughter are being put out in the for- forefront. I thought that that was a cool moment, just that being in itself. But then you get that moment where it's okay comes in and usually this song you know when it comes because you get that one chord that kind of holds out but this is a little bit different it kind of fades up instead of getting that that riff that comes through and that's exactly what it does it fades into this version and ed tries to get the crowd into it and they get into it and it's okay doesn't happen every single time off daughter i think at this point a lot of people that are very familiar with the touring fan dvd are probably saying yeah like that's amazing do that every time taking this we, we got this right the, the it's okay i thought was like i said i thought that was secondary to the crowd just on that transition part yeah i can see i can i can see that i do love hearing that chord kind of ring out i think there's something special for it so hearing it played a little bit differently is like okay i see what they're doing with it but i just want to give a shout out to stone you mentioned it being like a stone kind of set list but gotta love when stone continues that tag groove in 
It's Okay, where he just kind of keeps doing that. Like, I just, and he gets it like a little bit higher on the front. Oh, it's very, very good. Yeah, this is going to get you, look, Ed's putting on the guitar for It's Okay, and that's going to get you into three Ed songs right in a row, which are MFC, Immortality, and Lucan. And uh, after this, there, there's no more avocado in the main set, and it's kind of going back to some of your fan favorite. Like, these three and the next three are all fan favorite kind of songs. This is a good MFC, but, you know, of course, nothing like last week with the untitled intro. Of course, that's sure. going to bring a different dynamic of it, but I, I, I did make a promise to everybody that we didn't bring the gnawing in last week, so going to have to just do the thing. That's what you get for having an inside joke on a podcast that five people listen to. So, yeah, MFC into Immortality into Luke. Immortality, I think, is probably the meat and the heart of this section here. Oh, for sure. And a lot of what Immortality and the pacing of what Immortality is will come back in the encore with a song like Black. I felt like the two of them were on the same same wavelength somehow. They had this heart to them, and they had just like this, the pacing and kind of the rhythm of it was, was like harmonized within the guitars. It was, it was almost beautiful in a way. And the way that you sort of led to the big mic moment in there, like you almost thought maybe maybe it doesn't happen maybe it doesn't actually happen but no they, it does go off and and it's a fun one and, and the ending gets extended for for a little while it's a very very good performance and probably one of the better ones of the night but i, I actually i think the first note that mike hits lasts about ooh, a good 20 seconds or so he is holding that for a long time that one that's my favorite kind of mic solo. You mentioned, you know, black and how it can be similar. That's my favorite kind of black solo as well. When, when he just hits that sustain on that first note and just lets it go as long as he can. That's one of my favorite things he does. Yeah, this immediately stood out to me.
and then like I said there's kind of a jam at the end and it turns into like a completely different rhythm if you just turned on that part you wouldn't even know you were listening to Mortality. It feels like mm-hmm. they're just going off on something completely different. I thought this was excellent and probably the highlight of the whole show. Also, I think Stone is playing an acoustic guitar on this, which I yeah. don't think happens very often on it. He was for Better Man at the very beginning, too. Sure, yeah, yeah. and he's going to play Gretsch on Black, so it's it's a continuing trend that you're going to get every now and again. Another extra added layer and element that, that made this Immortality kind of different than the rest. Obviously, Lucan, which is 47 seconds long, and Ed comes in on it much earlier than usual just to speed it up just a tad bit. But now the direction. It reminded, it reminded me of my version from the yeah, uh, right. Zoom party that we had. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially. Yeah. <laughs> it, it changes the direction. It kind of primes you for the last three songs, which are going to be your powerful, big Ooh. rock anthems that they have, which, look, if you're asking for three to end your main set, and you don't want evolution, spin the black circle, or porch as your answer, then I don't know what question you're being asked. Because this is a great three right here. That, that's all there is to it. I have something on porch in a second, and we, we can get into that. But evolution, spin the black circle, exactly like just the fun kind of energy. And I think what we need to bring up is during evolution. And Ed embellishes a little bit and says the Indian fly. Now, because they're not the Indians anymore, they're the Guardians, Great. and it's for the better. 
and I think he'll just need to, to find a way to change that line to the ignorant guardian's got nothing on me so he can just keep that up and, okay. and yeah. especially at, at the Cleveland shows at least and I don't think it's going to make sense to, to you know a crowd oh, sure. in Krakow, Poland but you know at least when whenever they obviously didn't get planned for, for the coming tour but I, they have to hit those cities at some point so yeah, that's 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 a good point. Uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. We'll have to like put a put a star by that and right. to it and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and see. But yeah, I thought I thought Dude the Evolution is great. It, obviously, you're getting Stone on, on the lead there, and it's fantastic. And then Spin the Black Circle coming off of you just got looping a couple of songs ago, and you get Spin the Black Circle after that. It's just just feels even faster and just. Mm-hmm really had a good pace and like just made me want to just run around in circle pit when i was listening to it gotta bring up too jeff actually gets on the mic right before spin the black circle here and he says this one's Mm -hmm. for danny and that's it's rare that jeff gets on the mic and and says much of anything so that was cool to just kind of hear his voice but yeah the cymbal hits in this just kind of added to just sort of the ferocious loud sound that that this one brought and that's getting you into this porch which starts off riffy but different kind of riffy a little slower a weirder segue where it kind of breaks in and you can tell where ed drops his guitar after the beginning like there's definitely a hole that's missing there it loses a little bit of its thunder when ed is passing it off because he he's playing right as they transition from the slow riff part to the early in the intro and then as he's singing takes it off there's a hole there's definitely a hole there and for a second it catches you off guard and then you're like okay all right you're you're back in the porch i mean this is like a 10 minute song when you look at it on whatever music application that you're using and i was expecting a porch with like this massive solo and like crazy things happening and what we get is we get kind of midway through ed shouts out mike he said that's that that's mike mccready over there and i thought he was just kind of shouting him out because he just was on a solo but instead he goes around the horn and goes and does all the introductions for everybody which which is nice yeah yeah he doesn't usually do that at mid-song like that that kind of threw me off and and like we, we mentioned the guy's name before but bruce springsteen that's something and i don't know specifically which one but i i feel like the couple times that i saw bruce he specifically had songs i I know he does like twist and shout or something like that where he has a moment where they just keep that rhythm going and he goes around the horn he introduces all the e street band members it reminded me of that i'm just like that's just that's just not them that's just not what they do especially for a song like porch that in the past and even in the future has just had so much more bite than this it just didn't feel it didn't feel like the time <laughs> especially in the main set too i'm, I'm with you on this this porch a little bit it was from right from the intro and like it's it's very chopped up and very staccato and like because the, the point of it is to get that rhythm and to really get into a groove on it and it felt like it didn't really do that and yeah the band intros thing is weird it has like a a tone of like very kind of vegas yeah to it Uh so yeah yeah i see what you're i see what you're getting at i think of like the stones mid-set will have their moment where they stop the whole show they'll play like eight songs in a row or whatever they'll stop the whole show and they'll give 
Mick goes around and he introduces every single member to the backup singers, to the sax player, to, you know, Charlie and, and Ronnie and, and Keith and, and all of them. Like, he'll, he'll do all of that. And, like, okay, you know, that's, that's a thing that they, but it's not a thing that Pearl Jam does. It's usually when it happens, it kind of happens like right before a lead better, right before you're about to end your night sort of deal. But look, we didn't get an even flow, and that's normally where he would stop and be like, my McCready, my Cameron. Sure, like, okay. Yeah, yeah. I can see that, but it does call Stone his best friend in this. <laughs> so I wonder if Stone just kind of rolled his eyes and looked at Jeff and said, Jeff, I, I, I'm sorry, but I, I'm, I'm going to have to cheat on you. The, the lead singer is, <laughs> is now my best friend, and I, I, hey, I Ed, need to write Ed a song and, for the Ed next record. Jeff were, so. were sharing, the, sharing the hotel room that's, early on. I, that's right. Probably, probably Jeff was going like, hey, come hey, on, I'm man. Best friend. <laughs> we are at the encore. Let's get into some encore things. It's time to pause for station identification. We'll get into a little bit of Patreon, but I'm going to give John a second to talk here because we actually did a big reveal on liveonfourlegs.com last week. And if you aren't familiar what we've been doing on the website, you know, not every episode we mention it, but we've been kind of picking up where the Five Horizons and the Two Feet Thick of the World kind of stopped. And we've been doing the concert chronology. We call it our concertpedia. And we've been writing reviews. And it's just not just John and I. It's a lot of people that have volunteered for shows that they've been to, for shows that they haven't been to, to listen to shows, to write down some notes. And uh, we were able to, in the very beginning, get a couple years down and said this is going to be kind of a process to edit and go through some of the next years. And 2014 is officially done. So, John, I'm going to give this over to you. Yeah, we released it in, in two parts, the the Australian shows and the European shows. And it was great because... You know, I get a chance to go through and, and read these as they're coming in and kind of go through and piece them together and kind of tell the story and, and make the narrative as, as we go. And it was great because we had so many new people writing for those, especially the Australian shows. I want to thank all those people who, who continue to write in because, you know, we started with 2018, 2016, and then people are still gung-ho about it. And the people sent those in a while ago. So I just want to thank all those people. You know, it's a lot of hard work that they do going back and listening to all those shows and putting this together. And then I go in and, and put it all together. And it's, it's a labor of love. Like I always say, like it's, it's yeah, an honor Chris to Chris and I have that. role in it too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Everybody has something. have to go put it on the website and get it up there and make it look good. And like I said, it's, it's an honor to continue that legacy and to, to try to make it something special. And I hope that we do. And I hope that you guys go in a chance and get to take a look at it and read through it and kind of relive those shows because we're, you know, we're going to keep going, like starting with, with 2013 and we're going to be, we're going to keep on going. So going forward, it's going to be always a cool moment when these kind of see the light of day and they, they get up on the website so please go live on four legs.com you should see it on the front banner new concertpedia 2014 reviews so yeah just a lot of fun thanks to everyone who sent them in again please continue to do so and we'll keep throwing them up there yeah, and, and to be honest with you, because Two Feet Thick, the Two Feet Thick site has been down for a little while. Yeah, yeah. And I've kind of checked in on that, and, and I didn't really get a, a full answer as to why or if it was coming back. I, I thought I heard that it was, but I can't really I comment so. either way. Yeah. I, of course, yeah. I, for you know the history's sake, you, you want to see everything there. But there's a lot from where Five Horizons left off 
to around where Lightning Bolt kind of picked up that's just kind of almost disappeared in a way. And especially thinking about this show and what we were mentioning early in the show, where did Ed fall through the stage? That that would have been something that would have been on one of these sites. And going through the fan views on the 10 Club forum, not really the best place. Like a lot of people are talking about more personal experience kind of stuff and what songs they liked. And and I didn't see any of that there. So it was tough to kind of gauge. But at some point, John, we're going to be using the work from our volunteers and writers for our own research and our own resources because that it, we're going to go through and do a 2014 show and say, mm-hmm. oh, yep. what happened here? We need to know. And, and look, I read them. You did the editing on them. And we're still going to have to kind of take in the information because, again, there's a lot of shows. So you can't remember all of them. That's essentially why they're there and why we're, we're happy to do the work because you just need them and they're going to be more even if they're not in the near distant future, they're going to be more going forward. So you just got to keep up with the stuff. That's what we plan to do and happy to do it as well. I hope that people are gravitating towards this and understand how important it is to us. That's all I'll say. I'll leave it at that. But moving forward, every week we mention our Patreon. If you want to donate to the show and help us out and kind of give back. And look, we do this independently of this independent podcast. We don't do it within corporations or anything like that. We're not getting any sponsorship money or anything. So anything that we make here is coming straight from the fans. And we try to put it back into what would be when we're going to the shows to do stuff like events and and things like that and maybe give away some, some things when it comes to that. Obviously, we haven't really had the opportunity to do it yet. But if you want to donate... Go to patreon.com slash live on four legs or the Patreon app. Just search live on four legs or go to live on four legs.com and you'll be able to see basically a link to it almost everywhere you go. Become a patron. You click on it. You sign up there. It could be a dollar a month, five dollars a month, ten dollars a month. And look, if you are interested in doing the yearly package, it's actually discounted. It's cheaper if you want to do, especially if you want to do a dollar. A month, if you want to be part of the bonus tier, you could do that for a year. And instead of paying $12, you can pay $10. And same for doing the $5 tier. I think you'll get a bigger discount. I think it's discounted like 15% or something like that. So if that's intriguing for anybody, I, I'd say that that's the way to go. Because sometimes also Patreon, if it's going in month by month, people can kind of forget that they got a new credit card or something like that. And you, you just never know. And I, I don't I don't like hassling people when it comes to that and, and saying, oh, please, you know, please restore. I, I don't like doing that stuff but i i just want to make sure that those people that i know that are putting the time and effort and and thankfully the do- donations in are getting the content that we put back into it because there's a lot of content out there and right now we've been a little radio silent with patreon but not on purpose we're trying to get through a couple things there will be some stuff in the not too distant future trust us on that we're working towards hopefully another of the TV series episodes in the the coming weeks or so, which would be SNL 1994. And then again, working on crazy Mary for the evolution episodes. So 
All right, let's get to the encore, back to the rock. And Ed is addressing the people of Cleveland by saying, the next place we go is Detroit, and we're in no hurry to get there. This leads to a massive jeer from the crowd. And I think most people (laughs) that are Ohioans and most people that are Michiganites, I believe. Michiganders. Yeah, pick and choose. It's not not two parts of the country that I'm I'm too familiar with that I've been to too many times. At this time, for all of you NBA fans out there, which of course Jeff is probably just reveling in just being around this, but in that same arena, the Quicken Loans Arena, which they're playing that night, the Cavaliers the night before won game six of I believe it was the the not the conference final this whatever they call the second round in NBA they call it mm-hmm. uh, divisional in football and maybe in hockey right. but I, right. I, I I would call it like divisional round uh, as opposed to wild card being the first one it was the second round and Cavaliers won a pretty crucial game six. And they tied the series at three in that arena. A lot of hype. This is, you know, very, very early on in LeBron's career. So a lot of people are thinking this might be the year where LeBron, you know, breaks out. And it didn't really happen for Cleveland until a little bit later, probably almost a decade later at that, at that point. But they would play game seven in Auburn Hills, which is where uh, the palace where the Pistons used to play. And we kept saying Detroit for the show. It's really Auburn Hills, but it's essentially the same place. So the band would go on the next show that they're playing after this show is the night after game seven in which the Pistons won. So interesting little tie-ins there that they're kind of surrounded by this basketball series that has a real lot of hype to it. Again, like they didn't have off during the first one, but they have off during game seven. So they're probably going somewhere, especially Jeff and, and Ed who are, are really oh, yeah. into this stuff. They're probably going somewhere and, and watching the game. So especially, well, I in, think they probably, they probably had a box. I'm sure they were. Oh yeah. So it's, yeah. They had something. I'm sure. They right. were there. Yeah. Right. And plus there's like, there's like an awkward studs Turkle reference in this encore. Yeah. That was odd. <laughs> I don't know where yeah. that came from, yeah. but, but there are a lot of, Cleveland sucks, Detroit sucks, Chance. And Ed says he can't repeat it because of the bootlegs, but he says it once, Pistons suck. So I'm sure that the next night he said Cavaliers suck and Mm. got the same response. That's just (laughs) the game they play. The combination that's coming right after this is not a very common combo for the Wasted Reprise transition. It's Reprise into Thumbing My Way. And... It was actually the fourth instance that they used Wasted Reprise. We had talked about a couple months ago that they had opened a show in Albany using Wasted Reprise. And I think that was the second time they'd ever done it. So this is very early that they're trying things. And this would be the one and only time that they would transition into Thumbing My Way. What did you think of this version of Thumbing My Way? I thought it was very theatrical and very kind of over the top. It wasn't wasn't my favorite rendition. It's not, not my favorite type of, of thumbing my way performance. Yeah, I'm, I preferred a little more down to earth, a little more, a little dark, a little bit more kind of sparse. I'm glad you labeled it as that because yeah, that's a good way to put it. Kind of theatrical. And aside from the rhythm just being kind of off at times, it just felt a little weird. 
Ed is taking those vocals at the end and he's just elevating them to places that they have no business being elevated in the song. It sounds like something he would have done, you know, six or seven years after this in the Backspace or Lightning Bolt era, but I don't think it should be done in any era. It's not key to what the song is and maybe felt out of place a little bit in this set. I, I usually like them yeah. my way, but it just I don't think it had really a role here. Especially yeah, if you're gonna do something kind of like a- that. Yeah, kind of a weird choice to first to come out of, of Waste Reprise and then to come out of that into this, the only Riot Act song you're going to play and like another deep cut like that. You think this would be a good spot for like a Footsteps or something that's a little, going to be a little more crowd friendly. Yeah, it's a little strange. We do follow that up with Inside Job, which is being played for the fifth time very early on so a lot of people in the fan views that reading up on this were saying wasn't sure what to think of inside job when when hearing it on the album compared to what we were going to hear from it live but this feels like at this point that they should be playing it in this spot every single night it's just it's the same kind of cathartic performance that it is turned into now we just didn't know it back then we just didn't know the stories as well but if you listen to it the way in that mindset of what we know with guys like Steve Gleason with what we know with Mike McCready and just his background with the song and just the way that people have grown an attachment to Inside Job you definitely feel it during this verse. it's just and you know what the crowd feels a little bit too because Mike does get a big chant after this and deserves it it's a very stellar performance this feels like the longest we've we've gone without mentioning Mike and you know we talked about it a little bit on Immortality but this is not a, a big Mike heavy show no. he doesn't have a lot of those songs in the show so this felt like a really kind of moment for him to let loose and, and really feel it yeah I'm, I think this is very very good and again it it really tying in with what comes next I think it really works very well and kind of working on building that momentum and elevating the performance and and the next song kind of takes that and runs with it a little bit more too i thought agreed yeah i thought that this black was definitely going back to immortality and just how like sort of the melodic groove of immortality there was a warmth to it there was a warmth to both songs black sort of grasped that and it had this hold on you where you were just sort of sucked in from the very beginning and just drifted along with it and again it's a gretch era black so it has a different sound to it a different progression and it just it moves man it's smooth it is smooth and you get a couple of moments where ed will let the crowd sing along alongside him the you know the bomb spinning moments and then that big moment holding that that all i'll be oh my god like very very good you always love when he's holding it out and the crowd sings yeah and he keeps going through that like that's the best part i love that yeah but this is just smooth like butter man mike doesn't have any blistering solos they're all pretty directed by the mood of the song long extension and then a little vocal in the background at the end it takes them a while to get there but we do end up getting a we belong together tag on this the thing from Mike, I thought he get a little bit of that Bridge School flamenco in the solo. I thought that was very cool. We talked a lot about that when we did that Bridge School series. When he would put in a little bit of that kind of Spanish, Italian, classical flamenco style guitar in the solo, and you get a little bit of that here too. 
yeah, that we belong together, like I said, it, he waits a long time. That's something that would continue to happen. He waits until everything, like, gets real, real down, and then he'll start it. And this one felt really delicate. He's almost in, like, a falsetto. Yeah. It kind of reminded me a little bit of, like, kind of what Michael Stipe would do sometimes hmm. with his voice. And, yeah, I thought this was this was really good. And, again, the, the combination of Inside Job into Black just makes both of them better, I thought. somewhat of a story through the music at least ed does thank cleveland in between and says i'm saying cleveland but we're addressing you all as individuals take it stone (laughs) take it stone (laughs) and the pacing on on alive i think it's matching more of like the smoother, like more subdued groove that 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 black had as well. I think it's tapping into that instead of tapping into like this raucous arena rock kind of anthem, and I, I like that. I think we've seen the last couple of weeks we're on this run of not getting alive in the bread and butter spot. We're getting it ending either encore one or ending a main set and again we're going into another moment in encore two where you're like how the hell are they gonna close the night and they answer that question very well so (laughs) yeah the thing to 2006 reminded me a lot of the storytellers where you get the crowd fist pumping and hey 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 that's really when when that kind of became the, the standard of this and really the, the crowd taking that was, was very very cool i think it added a lot of energy to alive at this time and you you, you kind of get that with edge just starts yelping and kind of screaming at the end and that's another thing like we talked about with with song Lerner, where he's turned unemployable where he's just when he's feeling he's in a good mood he just kind of will just start going off and yeah this felt like it had a really good energy to it like a really good groove they were having fun yeah, and honestly, you're preparing for an encore too that is going to be very out of left field, out of the blue. One that, especially encore wise, yeah, you're not going to get a lot of stuff like this. So let's let's just get right into it. So Ed says, "I'm going to share a drink with every single one of you. Open up the beer stands and rock it in the go." then go into comatose you're getting back with scorchers which is so much different than what you got in the prior set 
Hadn't really gotten it in the whole show. Hadn't yeah, really, right. Hadn't really you, seen it in the whole show. A little bit with Evolution and yeah. Spin the Black Circle, but yeah. it's, it's balanced pretty nicely. You, you have some momentum from going to Comatose that Comatose kind of takes advantage of there and, and gets a big moment in the middle where Ed throws out the fuck the Detroit Pistons, which which is fun. But he also does something in the bridge of Comatose where he sings with kind of like the muted megaphone hmm. kind of thing, like yeah. almost in a sense what he used to do with deep where he would kind of do like the almost like the underwater sound effect there and, and then um, whisper through a megaphone yeah right of, of yeah. course right yep so yeah they're just trying stuff out and again like just coming out the gates like let's fire them up after something that was a little bit more subdued in, in the first encore yeah i agree and again Go is is one of those chameleon songs where it can fit anywhere, but I think my favorite spot for Go is opening up Encore 2, where you're almost at the end of this night, and then they come out and just punch you in the face with this. I think it works really well here in this spot, and this is a great version. And then to follow it up with Comatose, a great spot for Comatose as well. And, and, you know, we would see Comatose in the spot going forward as well. It kind of, like, found a little bit of a home in, in late in these Encores for a while, but going back to Ed just feeling in a great mood there it's like it turns into like hey let's take some requests right we're playing open mic time we're playing dj right and the first request that they're going to take goes out to that guy over there and it's going to be the song you i never know how much to say with you song nice song kind of like almost out of character for Pearl Jam but still fits within the realm of Pearl Jam and then Ed kind of in the middle like the you get yours I'll get mine fuck off he does kind of something like that and that was fun it brought a little attitude t- towards it so yeah good to bring this one back it doesn't get thrown in very often it's been played only 24 times yeah oh this one's this one's high on my list next time I'm gonna show I'm gonna be pulling for it but yeah just just fun Ben's in a great mood. Ed's super into it. Again, like you mentioned, adding stuff and and throwing out these things like, you know, I wish we had video the whole show to, to, to kind of confirm that. But, yeah, it felt like they were just having a great time. And then we get a special guest vocalist, Mr. Stone Gossard, Eddie Vedder's best friend, Mr. Stone Gossard. <laughs> It's sort of a rare day, isn't it? He says, this is off the Lost Dog Records. It's a song called Don't Give Me No Lip. I'm 
talk about your ultra, ultra rarities, this is definitely up near the top, especially at the time when you're thinking now, 13, like, yeah, that ain't a lot. At the, this time, it was six. Only six times. And they had debuted it, I believe, in Ottawa in 2005. So, like, it's only been a year where they've been playing it. And I know that they had, in the beginning, they, they had to kind of learn it on the fly. And there's a very good version. It might be the Ottawa version where Stone's calling out to Ed, Bridge, bridge, bridge. Yep. And yep. they're, you know, they're watch, watch me for the changes. Right, right. And yeah, I think it's just. This is another example. Stone getting on the mic is just once again the band feeling like they are having a ton of fun out there on stage. While the first encore felt like there was some determination and focus to it, just putting a lot of effort into getting those songs to their best possible outcomes, the uh, second encore was just let's send them home happy. Yeah, it has a very lighthearted, kind of fun, happy feel to it. Yeah, I thought that was this was great. Now you're getting Stone Gossard on bass, and you're getting another request fulfillment. This is going to be the three in a row right here. And Ed says, if none of you like it, one of you guys will. Actually, it's not a guy. It's for a girl. And it's Smile. sounded fantastic in it and sometimes it doesn't put a lot of effort into the harmonica because he's just kind of like i don't play this thing what the fuck he's not really embellishing that he's not really working on it but i thought he he kind of played his heart out on this it sounded very good jeff sounded great on guitar crowd is very audible in spots in this like this uh, this was a nice version of smile Especially this no code stuff here. There's only Luke and that that's the only other right. one. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm listening to this and I'm just going, go Jeff, go. Like I almost right. had to had to wait. Like, oh wait, this is small, like just playing guitar because it, it sounds very fluid. It almost sounds like it could be stone. Mm-hmm. I'll give give Jeff a lot of credit. He he nails it on this one. And sometimes it it can be a little awkward and it can be a little stilted and the rhythm is, isn't always there. But yeah, this one felt great. Not that that makes it bad, but it just kind of adds the charm of it again when it's kind of off. But yeah, this is this is a really really good performance of Smile. The way that you're going to close this off, what your bread and butter, which isn't really bread and butter at all, it's it's another sort of sandwich, is going to be why go into fucking up into yellow lead better. Your your pickles and mustard. Yeah, right. It just yeah. just make it's it's <laughs> your five year old that says I like peanut butter, but I also like cheese. Right. And right. they want to put it together a sandwich with peanut butter and cheese. But somehow, they if you like both things and both things are edible, it, it tastes good to you. So I think the focus here is definitely on fucking up. And 
a lot of news around Neil Young that's going on now. And true, uh, true. look, yeah. we're on Spotify, and I hate that we have to be because I'm pretty much on Neil's side with this. But good, good for him. Good for him for sticking to what he believes in in this aspect. And I had read a comment that this is going to kind of turn into his Ticketmaster boycott, that no other artist is going to follow up on this, and it's just going to fall flat. Well, I saw there was was one show, I think the podcast-wise, there's, you know, John Worcester and Tom Sharpling have the best show. I don't know if people, that's, I don't know if that's the thing that's, a lot of people are into but i know they they had pulled their stuff off of spotify so hmm. maybe it's it's going to be like a little snowball effect maybe it's going to it's going to build but Let's. the uh the thing here that, that stuck out to me was you're going to make jeff play guitar on smile you're going to put that on him and he nails it and then you're going to turn around and make him have to start why go right <laughs> switch back to the bass and this kind of a, like why go there's like a little bit of a break there that picture jeff going like come on man like show some respect you're gonna make me turn around and and play why go and you have to start that after like playing guitar on smile like yeah show the man some respect yeah that that's that's a good call that's that's interesting but again why why go interesting to note that it's being put in kind of a highlighted spot when for years and years and years it was completely ignored and this is kind of the year 2006 is really while 2003 was the return 2006 is the comeback and yeah, they played it never never story. leave yeah. right yeah. It, it sticks around but fucking fucking up I thought was a huge moment it's just yes. again you're not getting Rockin' in the free world you're not getting Bob O'Reilly you're not even getting a sonic reducer I think that like in some aspects fucking up can be considered more rare than sonic reducer sometimes yeah. it's just I, again, having fun and, and Mike going off on the Neil solo and knocking it out of the park. Great yeah. stuff. Yeah. Very, very good. And the only cover of the night. So, yeah. That's a cool. Hey, maybe that goes back to what we were mentioning before, just trying to mix in some stuff and doing some stuff yeah. that, you know, maybe the people that are following them around will take notice of and appreciate that, that they're doing. And stop booing the songs that they really like off avocado because even though some of the fans might not like it the band really likes it so knock that shit out all right there is a moment here that i want to get to where ed before ledbetter kind of makes the speech and it's very cool i tell you what can i tell you a quick dream i had last night it's quick dream i I dreamt that I, w- I was in a uh, outdoor cafe with my family, and it was a full moon. And uh, we're having a late dinner. Everything was fine. There was a lot of other people out on the street. And, uh, and, and, and all of a sudden, the moon started, sparks shooting, started shooting off the moon. And, uh, and a few people caught notice, and then we all looked up, and these the sparks shot off the moon, and, th- and then they stopped. And everyone kind of looked up, and then right after that, the moon just disintegrated, like like a like a, it it, it just disappeared. And 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 it was dead silent, like no one could speak. We, you know, no one could speak. We couldn't believe what we just saw. That the moon just absolutely just crumbled, disappeared into nothing. And then, obviously, without the moon, the tides and the earth, the whole thing, the next thing you know, there was a power, the next thing you know, it was like world chaos. 
And uh, I'm running with my family through the streets of some unknown city in a blackout because it, it all blacked out. You know, I'm just worried that this, this might be like the moon maybe is democracy and, and we think it's glowing and we think it's there, but it's just, gonna, it's just gonna disappear like that. It looks like it's full right now. But if we don't like start paying attention and if we're just having dinner, looking at it, thinking it's beautiful, it's just gonna disappear like this on us if we don't kind of participate and you would know better here in Ohio. The deciding vote. Man, that, um, it's still like that hits pretty hard for 2006. That hits pretty hard for 2022 as well. Yeah, on a night that doesn't have a lot of like kind of deep ed speeches or any kind of speeches, you know, period, that you had yeah. that stuff about the basketball stuff and then the, you know, fuck Detroit stuff. And I mean, this, this kind of came out of nowhere. It was kind of like, Oh, we're going to have this kind of serious moment right here at the end, but he can do that. Like he can pull these kind of little cool moments out of nowhere. And the moon is democracy. Like, okay, man, like whatever you're smoking, like keep doing it. Yeah. And honestly, like this, this era, Ed feels comfortable saying just about anything, so I think we're kind of invited into his world and a lot of people are just excited, especially how many people are just excited to know what Ed is dreaming about. I'm sure that that's a, yeah. a hot topic for a lot of people. But uh, like regard, regardless, it's an interesting thought. The idea that the moon disintegrates is, yeah, that that, that would fuck everything up, sure. But yeah, yeah. So only, only Ed would ever... have a a dream that unravels (laughs) like that and like sometimes dreams come deep within your like kind of sub thoughts and yeah it's got some fucked up sub thoughts i think all right uh ledbetter's gonna end the night it's very much one of the 2003 war related lyric change versions Mm -hmm. and mike goes off at the end to finish this night properly and ed says he hopes the next thing that happens in this venue is another basketball game it was probably not unless it was like a scrimmage of some sort or the Harlem Globetrotters had a game there or something. (laughs) But that is it for Cleveland in 2006. Let's do the three moments game. I think this is my week, right? I'm first. Go for it. Okay. Number three. Number three for me, I'm just going to go ahead. I'm going to say Better Man and the beginning to this. I think it's good to be thrown off guard a little bit. It's good to get something different, good to get something new. And you're taking a hit song that everybody knows. You can kind of get comfortable and, and the warmth from the crowd and, and them singing along in the beginning. I thought that that was a fun moment. I'm, I'm in for that every now and again when they want to try it. Number two, I think, is Gone. I thought just terrific coming off of that little story just attaching it to dissident i like the the two of those just work well together just this and obviously it didn't play dissident like you mentioned but just going into god like it just made me think of the song so much differently and kind of captured the story that they were trying to tell perfectly and my number one moment of this night i'm gonna have to give it to immortality I really like this version of Immortality. And again, when it's probably the song that 
kind of gets messed around with the most. And when you can kind of change pacing, when Mike can kind of go off and, and have his own canvas and do different things in the solo, when the ending is different, you just get all different pieces of it. And it's just so good no matter how you slice it. So Immortality is a top moment for me. Your three. Yeah, yeah, very, very good. My number three is going to be the the little run of, of three requests there in Encore 2. I thought that really added a lot to the set. Like, without those, I think this could be considered like, eh, like a kind of run-of-the-mill set. But I think that really adds something a little extra to it. And ha- felt like it, the band was really into it and really having some fun. Number two is going to be Daughter. I thought the crowd just taken off on that that shades go down part was very very cool and really kind of made me made me stand up and, and take notice and listen and then of course it's okay is is great whenever you get it and we talked about that a little bit and you know i i did like better man you know i thought about throwing that in there where you get the the crowd opening the show very very rare for for that to happen but um i'm with you immortality has to be number one very very good highlight Alrighty then, we now have a show to rate. I'm going first due to the newfangled Hall of Fame rules that we have. I like the show. I thought that this was a nice show. And I think that this kind of is the standard of what I expect a 2006 show to be. You got some new stuff. There were, I think, eight or nine new songs in total that were played which is a lot, but, you know, for eight, eight, eight new songs that were played, if you want to consider that Wasted Reprise last two seconds long, then okay, then seven actual full songs. But it's a nice set with some different things, and, and uh, the, the request section's very good. The Encore one mixing in just sort of and telling the story through music, even though Thumbing My Way was a little bit off, but Inside Job, Black, Alive, all worked fantastically together and really black could have been one of my top moments as well. thought it was very good. I'm uh, I'm going to give this an eight. I thought that this was pretty good and, yeah. and no, no qualms about it. And uh, I would be happy listening to it again. Yep. I agree. I'm going to give this uh seven and a half. I'm right there with you. Yep. I think it was above average, more than more than solid. The only thing that keeps it from kind of getting to the the eight-ish level is only sixteen songs in the main set. Felt like you know, and again, it's it's just a, a product of the time where it felt like some of the avocado songs were kind of forced into spots, really heavy on avocado early on. It felt like you could have like maybe mixed up the the back half of the main set with the front half, and it would have maybe you could have found a, a different flow there, and it would have would have had some cool stuff. But yeah, not not enough like big big moments to to get into that that really elite tier of shows. But yeah, like I said, good listen, fun, picks up about halfway through, and and really gets going. So yeah, very good. Thanks, right. thanks Randy for. Uh, for turning us on to it. Randy with an I, by the way, as yep. we always yep. joke whenever we meet up for, for functions and things. Randy with an I, Randy with a Y. Yeah, we all know the joke. So, yeah, very cool. Thank you so much. And also, like, this, they're coming off strong. They're playing into momentum from Grand Rapids, which I consider a 10 show, even though I don't know if I gave it a 10 on the episode. But that was episode, like, 16 or something. Don't don't blame me for that. 2006, we'll be back here at some point this year, unsure when. But when we do come back, we'll kind of take into account this era and some of the stories from it as well that, that we covered today. Next week... 
we're going to do an odd year. We're going to do a year we don't touch up on very often, and that is 2012. And not just 2012, because you think about that year, no, it wasn't a full tour year. It was kind of the same amount of dates that they do in Europe. They do a couple festival dates and a couple dates here and there. And then in the States, it was mostly festival dates. It was Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta. That Atl- was the year I finally got to see them again. That was my second show. Atl- Atlanta. It was Made in America. It was yep. DeLuna Festival. It was a Missoula yep. show. That is an instant classic, uh, by the way. <laughs> not not dubbed by me, but dubbed by the band. I honestly haven't listened to it, so I, I can't speak of it either way but we are going to do stockholm sweden because this was requested by one of our patrons michael johnson who is from sweden so thank you michael and again kind of like what we did last week with berlin we're going back to a place that doesn't usually get the kind of love like berlin at least has had these massive big you know big moment kind of shows but stockholm not much in the catalog that 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 you can go back to Stockholm for. I believe that they were supposed to play Lollapalooza Stockholm, and and they're supposed to play it this year. I think I think it's still on, yeah, but I yeah. think that's part of the schedule. So we can talk a little bit about that. But yep, that'll be a request for next week. And don't worry. I mean, we're if people are following along, we've done a lot of two thousand stuff lately. Don't worry. The ninety stuff is going to be coming. Fast and Furious a little bit a little bit later on. Just give, give it a give it a little more, give it a couple more weeks, and two more weeks. We're going to be getting back into the '90s for a long, long time. Yeah, and it's going to be kind of an ode to 1992 for a little while. I'll hint you. I, and I've told a lot of people what we're doing, and essentially the payoff is going to be really big. And hopefully, we can do something even grander than what the payoff is but uh the payoff is going to be a show that everybody loves so let's let's just put it that way and hopefully you guys stick around until then i hope you were entertained that's that's the only reason why we do this to entertain and to listen to boots ourselves like i mentioned in the beginning of the show but if you are entertained do us a favor head over to apple head over to spotify where we're still on the platform regrettably but we're still there and please give us a five-star rating because it's going to help our visibility it'll always help when people are looking for pearl jam and want to see pearl jam content and we just want to be near the top because you never know what can happen and we can someday just get bumped from the top and we don't ever want to be put in that position so your comments your ratings are extremely appreciated and extremely helpful and if you want to be part of the community patreon is one thing but also for the people that can't participate in in donating to the show be part of the twitter community be part of the pearl jam podcast community on facebook we're very active in those places and again the album a day challenge that's something if you really want some new music to listen to that's something to get in on uh there's a lot of great stuff to dig in so that's that's all we got for this week and another good show in the books what's what's the color for for 2006 john what what color do we mark this as blue red yellow purple 2006 is pink pink all right mark it pink dude Let's head on out of here. Do the spiel. Well, this may be the end. We're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, I miss you already. Miss you always. Thanks, everybody, so much for tuning in this week. Thanks to Randy for pitching this one to us. And on to next week to do Stockholm. So hope to see you there. Take it, Stone. It's just a problem. 
That's very kind. Thanks.